Hi everyone. For Latinx Hispanic Heritage Month, we had the pleasure of connecting with Luz Gallegos. Luz Gallegos is Executive Director of TODE, a legal center and a lifeline for immigrants and their families in the California Inland Empire and Coachella Valley. Enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome to Equity Podcast, where we like to spill the tea on equity. I'm here today with Luz Gallegos from TODEC. Hello. Hello, Luz. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to have you here, and uh, we definitely look forward to having you spill the tea with us on equity. Definitely. Uh, I do. Um, I've lo- just a little bit about yourself, like uh, who you are and uh, how did you get to p- the position you are in, in TODEC? Yeah, so, well, I was born and raised here in the Inland Empire, in particular here in Paris and Sunnymead, which is now called Moreno Valley. So, uh, you know, a daughter of farm workers, immigrants, um, myself, I didn't know, I didn't have, I was born into the U.S. until later on, 10 years old, but I lived those experiences with my parents and other uh, other um, community members that lived in these communities. Well, as you may know, Riverside County, we had, um, in the West End, we had a very large rural community on the West End. We still do have a lot of rural, um, not as dense as Coachella Valley, but uh, living, being born in these communities and living the realities that my parents and other of our community members had really created a community conscious in myself as to what struggle really looks like on the ground. So uh, through that, um, living the experiences that we had, uh, as particular here in Paris and all the way to, you know, um, the Tijuana border and Coachella all the way to the Mexicali border, Riverside County is a border region because we're 100 miles from the, from the borders. So what that translates to immigrants, especially those that don't have an immigration status or have access to privilege, is that we're constantly in struggle of staying safe and united with family. Um, Border Patrol has jurisdiction over our streets uh, because of the region that we live in. Uh, So Border Patrol could actually patrols our streets. And if they have probable cause, they could stop any of us and ask if we have an immigration status. So back in the day um, when the farmers didn't want to pay our parents because they were harvesting the fruits and veggies here in the county, they would call Border Patrol because they were already in the streets and they would get deported if they didn't know their rights. So uh, during the time seeing uh, the struggle that not only my parents, but other community members had, and my parents coming back, you know, being organizers during the farm worker movement, when they moved to the IE, they started seeing these injustices. So that's how Todek started. Todek started out of the need of organizing uh, the communities, particularly farm workers, immigrants that didn't have an immigration status. Uh, to create and educate, mainly to educate and inform government as far as to what policies we needed to place, what inequities existed in our community. Uh, Back in the day, um, during this time, um, uh, my parents and Todek, when it was founded, um, my parents were part of the think tank to get uh, a legislation passed at the federal level to provide an immigration status to immigrants that met certain criteria. It was known uh, very popular as la amnistia in Spanish, which is the amnesty IRCA that was signed by President Ronald Reagan. But at the end of the day, it was a movement of many organizers. I remember me at a younger age um, going to Washington, D.C. and putting telling our stories, you know, our family stories, our parents, our community stories, as far as the struggle of not having an immigration status. Back in the day, it was easier for folks to come back 
after they were deported, now it's not, you know, and that's why it's important to have these systems in place so people could actually gain an immigration status, the, the legal way with the pathway to citizenship. But unfortunately, we don't have that now. Um, the amnesty helped over 3 million immigrants to gain their immigration status, particularly farm workers that met the 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 criteria of this policy uh, and through that that's how Tholik began um, we are and we still we were we started as an advocacy organizing community organization to organize farm workers and immigrants so they could know the rights um, but also know their um, the op the opportunities we have here and knowing their rights but also the 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 laws that we need to follow as well you know uh, and through that, uh, when Amnesty, you know, was fully, was going into the implementation, we saw the gap that we had here in the Inland Empire. Being one of the first um, immigrant justice organizations in the region, we've been filling in the gaps in the IE. Back in the day when this amnesty passed, our parents had to drive to LA to get legal assistance because there was not a lot of attorneys and they were very expensive. So that's how we became a service provider. You know, we worked on the, on the advocacy to get um, to inform and educate government to pass this policy with the stories and the struggle. Now we have to make sure that the implementation phase, our community members had the tools, uh, the resources available so they could actually file their paperwork. So through a lot of many pro bono attorneys, a lot of volunteers, we started our legal services to provide the free legal service to the thousands of immigrants in the IE to get their citizenship, to get their paperwork in place and file their um, petitions. And since then, it's been history. We're going on 40 years of um, the founding of Todek, where we're not just organizing and educating community, but we're really continue to provide that power that community has so they could be civically engaged, they could continue um, making the changes that we need to do within our policy, our systems, not only at the local and county, but also at the state and federal level. So it's been it's been a journey. But um, seeing this through my whole childhood and seeing the struggle of, of community um, it, it, it became a commitment that many of us that go through Todex Leadership Pipeline come back. You know, we come back to community, give our, 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 our work, our volunteerism, but also our energy and, and, and really focus on those that are the most vulnerable populations in our region, that we see them as our farm workers, undocumented immigrants that give their entire life to our state and never, at times, never receive nothing in return. No, and, and it's, it's amazing that there is, uh, that TODIC is providing opportunities for those to feel uh, represented, to feel secure, feel protected, and to just bring awareness. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, you know, what you're doing with TODIC, and, and just a, a deep thank you for, uh, um, in regards to like the Latino community, and just communities in general, especially within the state. Um, in regards to bringing awareness uh, for this month, uh, the month of October, it's uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, Latinx Month. Um, can you shed more light on the difference between these terms, uh, Hispanic and uh, Latinx? And is there one term that encompasses the communities with ancestral ties to uh, Latin America and, and what is preferred? What I could tell you, uh, working at the grassroots it's very different the way we are, you know, these words. Latinx is very new. A lot of our grassroots 
community members don't even know what that is. Um, Hispanic is another term that we are, that was, you know, placed upon us. But at the end of the day, we are immigrants that come from different parts of the countries that together we um, have formed the fabric of our nation, of our state, and of our county. So at the end of the day, um, we, we, we ask the question all the time within the work that we do at Todek when we're asking folks to, how do you, how, how do you categorize yourself? We hear it, we hear different ways. A lot of some Mexican-American, Chicanos, Latinos, Hispanos, Guatemaltecos, Salvadoreños, um, Filipinos, you know, we have a big, we, we're very diverse here in the county that we have to own who we are and we cannot let somebody tell us who we are. And that's why it's so important to have our county um, continue to accept that and continue to provide other, when there's forms being placed, provide that opportunity for them, for folks to identify themselves. Because even within the, our Mexican countries, our migrants, that we have the largest, our largest immigrants in our region are from Mexico. Um, not everybody would say they're Mexican. Some of them are indigenous, purépechas, mixtecos. So we have a large base of um, indigenous communities, not only in our region, but the state. And as, as a county, as a state, and as a nation, we need to, uh, we need to value the, the indigenous communities because not everybody is under Latinx, not under Hispano or under Latino. We are who we say we are. And that's why it's important for um, systems to recognize that uh, we as immigrants um, have, should have the opportunity to identify ourselves the way we see ourselves. But at the end of the day, we are immigrants because we migrate even um, from different parts of the nation, uh, country, different countries that form the beautiful fabric that we have here in our state and in our region. Uh, and that's, that's beautifully well said and everything is like, yeah, because um, I'm half myself, I'm half Ecuadorian, half Mexican, and, you know, being here in California, some might, some might be like, oh, you're Mexican. It's like, oh, no, but I'm also this. And, so, and I'm not the only one that has that story, just as you mentioned. So um, TODEC is led by people who live and work in rural uh, inland communities. We recently learned that, you know, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, when we had tropical uh, Hillary, uh, the storm, and how did that, how that affected the communities, especially inland, and how did uh, TODEC assist in those communities? Well, I could tell you we are weeks away when Hillary hit our region, but I could tell you it's still it's still having long it's a long time long term recovery, not only for the workers that we organize in community, but also business owners, growers, that we are seeing that the impact it's had specifically in the uh, eastern part of our county, of Riverside County and Coachella Valley, all the way to Blythe, that the impact has, is tremendously still being felt. Um, for us, as organizers that organize and work with and for um, immigrants, particularly farm workers, we continue to hear the stories in the impact, in the challenges that farm workers are having. Uh, many of them haven't 
turn, return back to work. The, a lot of our fields have been damaged. Even the new crops have been damaged. When we're asking and we're meeting with different growers and they're telling us that they're still trying to recover themselves. So at the many times they don't have work for our community. So that uh, for us, it's uh, very personal because we are seeing the struggle that um, that our farm workers that harvest the food for all of us, at times they can't even afford the food for themselves. And we need to do better as a country. We need to do better as a state and as a county to support and to bring justice to that vulnerable population that we see as our most essential and vulnerable workers, because without them, we wouldn't have food on our table. And we need to value and, and bring dignity to these workers because we hear the stories the desperate stories that they have, that they don't know what they're gonna do because we're going on another month that they might not have money to pay the rent. And this is a reality. We are, have been elevating these stories um, you know, to not only the governor, to all our, our legislators, to our state, that we need to do better. We need to do better for this population that the, a high percentage of them are undocumented. When they don't have work, they don't have their safety net. They've been paying into a trust fund, unemployment insurance that they can't even access because they don't have a social security number, because they don't have an immigration status. So the struggle is very real. We need to value our workers, not only in times of pandemic or disasters when we free food, but when they are suffering themselves, when they can't even access unemployment that they contribute to. It's work that can't even access it. So we are, um, we've been elevating and organizing and informing and educating all our legislators, our governor, that we need to do better. We need to open up unemployment insurance for undocumented workers that have given their entire life to our country, to our state's economy, and to our county without receiving anything in return. And right now it's a struggle with Hillary that we're seeing long-term long impact, long-term damage, not only with our workers that don't have any access to any safety net, but also with businesses, our growers are suffering as well. But the ones we see as most vulnerable are workers. But we know if our growers, our rent folks that, harp, that um, invest in ag are not well, our workers are not going to be well because they're not going to have work. Because right now we are seeing our region filling up with uh, warehouses that they want people to work. They're always hiring, but people that want to work can't even work because they do e-verify. So undocumented immigrants want to work and they don't have access to these jobs. So the struggle is very real. I know this is a federal issue um, an immigration reform that we've been organizing around and pushing, but you know, it's a different era right now. But um, at the end of the day, we are in the state of California, we would continue to resist. But at the same time, it's up to us as organizers, as advocates, and to community that we continue elevating the struggle so we could create those changes in the systems that address the community's most pressing needs. And it's, it's unfortunate to see those like inequities where you're seeing some, like you see communities that is giving and providing like food for everyone else, but then in the end of the day, cannot get, receive food for themselves, for their own family. Uh, definitely a, a major inequity that, that I'm glad that you brought light to and, 
and discussing about, and, and just to go deeper into uh, inequities. Uh, when it comes to inequities in the farm worker community, especially like faced during the uh, COVID-19, uh, can you talk more about COVID's impact and the outcomes that you see and they're still, still there? Well, COVID is, you know, we can hear hearing the, word, the term long COVID. Long COVID continues to exist and it's very live and well, especially in these vulnerable populations that um, don't have access to any safety net. We are seeing how through, through a lot of community organizing and advocacy for many years, we were able to expand Medi-Cal coverage for undocumented immigrants in the state of California. Come 2024, undocumented immigrants that meet the criteria, eligibility criteria, will have access to Medi-Cal full scope medical, but that didn't happen because of magic. It took the work of it, many of us organizers, advocates across the state to elevate the realities of our community members and COVID shed the light, you know, continues to shed the light of these inequities that, that have existed for many decades that of our, our grandparents, our great grandparents that, you know, didn't have access to um, any type of health coverage. And because of fear of accessing certain benefits, public benefits, they did not want to seek any medical care, even during COVID, as they were dying because they feared public charge. But we have made the difference here in the state of California, thanks to so many so many years of organizing to create civically engaged communities that were holding all those in power accountable, that if they're in those positions, it's because of community. And regardless of parties, regardless of colors of the skin, we need to work together to continue being that, that golden state that we are, and we owe it to our immigrant community. Ag, again, is a backbone to our state's economy. That's why we, as as an organization with Todek, we have focused in our most vulnerable populations that are farm workers, that when COVID hit, it was very desperate times because a lot of folks, when everybody was working from home, these workers continue to work even having COVID because they, one of the things, we've lost so many lives of farm workers that you know gave their life to keep us fed, keep us healthy because they said, if, even if I'm sick, I can't stop working because if I don't work, my kids don't eat. We've lost so many farm workers because they didn't have access to any safety net program. So it's a conscience that we have as an organization that we continue to elevate these stories because it's just, it's, it thought like we're sponges. We hear, we have community members that are telling us on the daily their stories and everybody has their individual stories, but we're hearing everything. That's why it's very emotional because we carry a lot of responsibility to elevate these stories, to create change, to change minds, change hearts, and create a consciousness within our elected officials, within our systems that we need to do better. If we wanna be fed and healthy, and it's about bottom line, Ag is a backbone of our state's economy. And if our workers are not well, our economy is not well. And our community is not well because there's not gonna be food on the table. So we need to hold ourselves accountable that we need to continue to push, push to make sure our community members have access to their safety net programs. 
not only Medi-Cal, but we are seeing long COVID hit our communities. And we are very, at this time, even expanding Medi-Cal coverage in the state of California. We are still very worried because we're seeing how the thresholds in Medi-Cal are so low in a state that, you know, we, uh, the cost of living is so high that farm workers, immigrants, community in general has to work up to two or three jobs to make ends meet. So when it comes translates to public benefits, they're not even going to be able to access these benefits. And we're seeing it already because we're working very closely with the county and partners to help pre-enroll in the different phases of Medi-Cal expansion in our counties, in our region. So we are very worried that even expanding Medi-Cal to undocumented immigrants up come 2024, many of them are not even going to qualify because of the low thresholds. And uh, we worry a lot of for farm workers because right now we are seeing the impact that long COVID is having in their health, where a lot of them have been um, laid off, fired from their work because they're saying you don't have the same um, motor skills. You can't. You, they, uh, we have farmers that lost their vision, and it's all. It's their doctors are saying it's related to long COVID. Their mobility skills are not where they were. And COVID continues to impact. So long COVID is here for a long time. And we are very um, worried that, you know, these community members don't will not have access, not even to health coverage. I know within our county of Riverside, we still we have the MISP program, but it's sometimes it doesn't cover what, you know, it, 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 a, a lot of these community members are not going to be able to access it, you know, as well. So it's a struggle. It's a struggle, but it's our job to elevate these stories uh, to all of the all the community members, to everybody that holds some type of power to create that consciousness. Because so what we know through our work is that sometimes people that don't act with compassion, it's because they don't know any better. So it's up to us to share these stories, uh, to elevate community members uh, so they can share their stories to create some type of compassion so we can move because in Todek, you know, what we, what we believe and know is that those closest to the pain should always be the closest to the power. And that's something that we carry uh, very close in our minds, in our conscience, in our hearts, that it starts at the grassroots. You know, and we need to do better. We need to do better to address these inequities that continue to exist. You know, we've we've gone we've we've done so much here in the state of California, but we need to do more. We need to do more as we're seeing all these disasters happen, COVID, now Hillary, and when people don't have people that don't have access to a green card to Social Security, they can't access any type of safety net programs. Yeah, and I. What you said resonates with me so much right now. It's like the the this the whole story, and thank you for sharing. But it's just the those closest to pain should be to closest to power. That is just a hundred percent agreed to that. And especially when you think about family members that uh, when you think about farm workers and, and their passing, that someone's uh, that how does that affect the kids, their livelihood? knowing that their parents not there anymore, uh, where is the source of income going to come in, uh, now? So there's definitely, uh, I know you mentioned how Medi-Cal and just what Todek was able to do with being able to be instrumental in the healthcare expansion. If you could uh, 
just elaborate even more on that, like how the healthcare expansion or if there's any testimonies or, or stories that you'd like to share and how it has been helpful for a, a documented uh, workers in California? Yes, well, through the work of um, Tode 40 years, uh, we've seen um, the impact of not having access to healthcare. So it's something that we've held very responsible and dear to our hearts as we continue to organize. But it's it took many advocates across the state, you know, to push together to convince, you know, the importance of Medi-Cal expansion to undocumented immigrants. But it, t it really took COVID to expand to our elders, you know, to, because we were seeing how um, people were dying. They, were, they didn't have access to healthcare. We, it, uh, with Medi-Cal expansion, it's been in phases. The first phase we were able to, as a collective, to, um, to push um, through legislation by informing and educating government is um, health for uh, health for all kids that provided um, kids that were eligible under the age of 18 undocumented healthcare expansion. From there, we went on to young adults under the age of 27 undocumented. And in during COVID, as we continue to you know organize and educate and inform government, it opened the door to our elders because those were the ones that were you know getting uh, being impacted the most because of their age because of their underlying conditions so it really took covid now come 2024 to fill in the entire gap at the state of california but it took stories it took stories life stories you were talking about the impact in our kids um minds and mental health it's it, it's it's it took covid to make so many of these policies happen to shed the light of inequities as us as organizers have known for our entire life uh, but I want to share the story because this is this was the this was something very important for our organization in our region especially Riverside County with one of our first farm workers that passes away um, through TODEC, we have our call center and our hotline that we activate when there's emergencies that impact immigrants. So we turn it on 24-7. So through COVID, it, you know, we turned it on in March and we had so many calls coming in at all times, you know, two, three, four in the morning, people were not sleeping, either our team was not, was not sleeping. And uh, there was a call that came in in, Mar in I wanna say April, I and it was a young girl that called and she particularly wanted to ask, ask for to talk to me. But of course, we were out in the fields was trying to, you know, organize and stuff like that. And she asked our team if I could call her back. So when I came back in, I called her and, and she said, oh, uh, well, in Spanish, she's all, Senora Luz, um, can you please uh, help us? Because my dad, he, he doesn't want to stop working and he's very sick but he doesn't want to start working and he doesn't listen to any of us and he doesn't listen to my mom, he gets mad. He doesn't want to stop working and I say, okay, let me talk to him. He's all, no, I, can you call him? <laughs> because I'll tell you what time because I don't want him to get mad at me. And I said, okay, so I, I gave him a call, you know, when she told me and I told him, you know, in Spanish, ¿Qué pasó, compañero? What's up? I hear that, you know, that you're sick, you know, you need to go to the doctor, we'll send for you, we'll take care of, you don't have to worry about the bills or anything like that. She's all, he's all, I can't, I can't stop working because if I don't work, my family doesn't eat. And that's a constant 
sentence, you know, that we heard through the pandemic and we even hear it now and we've heard it throughout, but with the pandemic, it really, you know, pushed us to push harder because we saw how this man, I talked to him, I want to say Wednesday, and then his daughter calls me on Sunday that his eight-year-old son found him dead on a Sunday morning. So imagine the impact, you know, this son that, you know, because not having access because of their immigration status, not having access, fearing public charge, feeling the previous administration that we had, you know, we need to do better. That really pushed us to make sure that we convinced our state and our county to prioritize farm workers within the first phases of vaccination. And we're very proud to have been able to do that at the state level. But then of course the state's like said, it, not all counties are rural, so it's up to each county. So we took it upon ourselves to work with public health, with our supervisors to prioritize ag. And we were the first county in the whole nation to vaccinate farm workers alongside with the, the uh, first responders, with the doctors. But we're very proud of that, you know, because it took this man, you know, to shed his story, to shed the light in the whole state. Um, and for us, it's personal because it was he was the first one. And after that, we started seeing so many other workers, so many other immigrants in different in different industries, you know, pass, give their life, at, you know, on the line, you know, for our for our country's ec economy and for their own economy, because if they don't work, they wouldn't eat because they didn't have access to unemployment. They didn't have the privilege to be laid off and tap into any type of safety net, their unemployment benefit. So for us, that's been our conscious and we're gonna continue pushing until we actually um, get our state to actually value um, the contributions of immigrants and really expand unemployment insurance because that it's the only safety net that our community has and any of us have if we're able in that situation that we need to tap into this trust fund. Yeah, it's definitely something that um, that for that action, to, for that light to be shed, and and for the action that to hear that Riverside County was the first county to to be able to provide uh, resources uh, for like the vaccines to be prioritized. Um, in regards to uh, Riverside County residents, is there a is there do you have a call to action for Riverside County residents or for the health equity team? Our call to action is join in any way you can the struggle and continue putting pressure on our all our legislators our governor um, to prioritize undocumented immigrants and expand unemployment insurance and to really create a health system that really addresses the need of farm workers uh, medical we're seeing more and more farm workers are not being being able to access Medi-Cal expansion for undocumented immigrants because of the thresholds. So we need to work together to continue calling, making those calls, sending the letters to all those in power that we need to do better as a state. Because if we want our golden state to be golden, we need to make sure our immigrants are golden and that they're healthy and that they're thriving. Because with immigrants do the hardest labor, farm workers in Coachella, 
working at 120 plus degrees, harvesting the fruits on their knees, not anybody would do that work. So we need to do better as a state to make sure our workers are well and healthy and strong. If they're well, healthy and strong, so, so are, will our economy. Liz, for more information, is there a way that uh, we can reach you or people can reach you? Sure, our website is the best way. Um, all our programs are there. There's calls of action, um, ways people could get involved at www.todec.org, T-O-D-E-C.org. Thank you so much, Luis, and uh, it was a pleasure having you here, and thank you uh, for being able to shed light. Um, this has been Equity, where we spell the T on equity.